Hi, thanks for joining me today. I'm your host, Howard Unger, and The Pharmacist is in. Hello, everyone, and I hope you're doing fine. Welcome back to The Pharmacist is in with Howard Unger, your host and pharmacist. Today, we're going to be discussing a skin condition prevalent in about 30% of the population, and that is called eczema, or the more scientific term is called atopic dermatitis. But before we actually go into eczema and talking about it, let's talk about the skin. Many people don't realize the skin is an organ, like the heart, the lung, the kidneys. The skin is the largest organ in the human body. And the skin can be thought of as the large wall of the castle, the outer wall. It protects what's inside the body. It's the first really line of defense. And I believe I've talked about the skin in a previous episode where I was discussing uh, suntan protective agents, giving more of anatomy of it and function. But I'm going to go quickly through it so that we can get up to speed. The skin has a number of components, blood vessels, nerves, fat layer. The skin is well over, I believe, 20 layers thick. Skin has pores. It breathes. It allows perspiration or uh, fluids to leave the body to cool the body. The skin protects the internal organs as well as protects it from infection. On our skin, on a normal day, we have a number of different types of bacteria, microbes, maybe fungi, some viruses that lay on top of the skin and the skin acts as that barrier. This is why the skin is so important to our physiology, to our health, and maintaining the integrity of the skin where there's no break in it, because if there is a break in it, that could potentially lead to infections. So let's talk about eczema, what it is, and what are some of the predispositions of people who get eczema. As I said earlier, about 30% of the population will have some form uh, or at some point in time have eczema. Sometimes it's very acute. Many patients will have a flare-up, call it a flare-up, of eczema once in a lifetime or very few times. As they grow older, they may not have eczema. And then there are those who, for example, have it chronically. Now, there is no cure for eczema. And we really don't know what causes eczema. There are some thoughts about the cause of eczema. There are some thoughts about what patients are predisposed to it. For example, there is thinking that there's a genetic component to this, that if your family has had eczema, you may have a greater chance of getting eczema during your lifetime. There are environmental issues. If you are using uh, a number of different types of detergents or chemicals, exposed to chemicals, this could be the predisposition to eczema. Age, although young children do get eczema, uh, but as you get older, the potential of getting eczema is greater. Emotional component. People who, for example, have uh, are very anxious, have certain emotional characteristics, they seem to have a greater chance of having a flare-up of eczema. And allergies. People who have a lot of food allergies. People who, for example, have asthma. These people can be prone to a greater chance of having eczema. So what is eczema? Well, let me give you an example so that I can, it better explains 
the actual process of what eczema is and how it functions and works, there's a itchiness, a redness at a certain portion of the skin, a certain area of the skin on your body. And generally, like most of us, we scratch it. And as we scratch it, it causes further damage of that area and it gets redder. The area that the eczema occurs in gets larger and obviously more uncomfortable and more itchy. And we scratch more. And it's kind of a, a, a spiraling issue where it gets bigger, gets redder, gets more inflamed, gets greater itchiness, and we scratch it. And then we do more damage when we scratch it because we're now causing further irritation and inflammation. That's where it begins. The fact of the matter is that eczema is caused by overreactive inflammation cells. Now, I've said this in a previous episode. Inflammation is good in the body because, quite frankly, what inflammation does is it basically, number one, lets the body know that there's an injury. Secondly, it also causes the local blood vessels in the area to bring more blood to that area. It also causes the blood vessels in that area to allow protective cells, white blood cells, lymphocytes. These are cells that help fight off disease, help fight off bacteria, and also clean the area up. So that's good. The problem here with eczema is that these cells go into an overreactive state. They become, how do you say, hyperactive, far greater than what the injury is, or the irritation is, or the inflammation is. And as we scratch, the hyperactive inflammatory cells become greater and greater, and we start to get this patch on the skin, this irritated, rough, sometimes even blistering, sometimes even weeping area of the skin. And that's because of these overreactive inflammatory cells that we continue to stimulate by the scratching. So where do we find most of these rashes occurring? Well, in infants, usually you'll see a red rash. It'll be on the face. It could be on the scalp. It could also be around joints and joint bends. And what I mean by that is where skin touches skin. So, you know, you extend your arm, then you curl it back. It's in that crease. It could be in the creases uh, behind the knees, could be in the creases that uh, are at the elbows as you pull your arm back. That's where in generally you'll find in, a, in adolescent or infant eczema. Childhood, you'll find them on elbows, knees, neck, ankles. Usually in the teens and adults, however, they can actually come on the hands. They'll also be on the elbows, knees, and can be around the eyes. Now here we have the complication, the itching and the scratching. We already have, with a flare-up, the integrity of the skin is somewhat compromised. Could potentially allow bacteria to come in and become an infection. This is why it's important not to, or try not to, further inflame the area and then destroy further the integrity of the skin because of the potential of bacterial infection coming in and creating complications. So as I stated before, no one actually knows the causes of eczema. 
we were talking about genetics and heredity. Environmental can be a trigger. For example, tobacco smoke, air pollutants, fragrances. Again, one of the major issues here is fragrances in the cosmetics, soaps, all of this can be a trigger for those individuals who are have a sensitivity or a trigger to eczema. People who have excessively dry skin, these all being environmental areas. If through this episode there's one thing that you take away and that you can tell people, eczema is not contagious. You cannot pass eczema through physical contact to anyone. And that's so important because I know that there is a psychological factor with this, especially in children, adults, young adults, teens. Having eczema can be an issue with relationships with other children. And I probably can say the same thing with adults. So if we are a person who has eczema, uh, who may have eczema on a chronic basis. So how can we limit the potential triggers for eczema? What should we be doing? Limiting the contact with, for example, a- items that can irritate you. Household detergents, soaps, cosmetics. Many of those, due to additives and ingredients and fragrances and a number of the formulation of those products, there are irritating substances that can possibly trigger Uh, an onset of a flare-up of eczema. When you're using any of these agents, if you have to use them, always wear gloves, dry skin. For example, during the winter, it's important that you wear gloves. In the winter, the air is very dry and creates an environment that your skin dries out. Using unscented soaps is important. Remember, with any of these agents that have a lot of fragrances to it, there are a lot of additives, and those additives can potentially be triggers. So it's best to use pure soap, unfragrant soap, all-natural soap. I know they have artisanal soaps that you can go and online and sometimes around where you live. They have those shops that have soap shops that they have plain, ordinary, non-fragrance, non-additive soaps. Those would be the ones that you'd want to use. Also, water. In bathing in water, you don't want to use hot water. Mild, hot, mild, warm water is better. Again, heat, hot water can irritate the skin and cause a flare-up. Also, using soaps. Soap in itself can dry out the skin. So, again, using an all-natural soap, And using it sparingly, don't lather up. Large amounts or using amounts of soap and lathering up can dry the skin out and then again, creating a possible trigger for eczema. A very important point here is moisturizing. And I know a lot of people just don't moisturize. Using moisturizers after you shower is really important because the moisturizer traps whatever water in the skin. The moisturizer traps whatever water is in the skin, so it keeps the skin hydrated. You want to keep the skin hydrated. So using non-perfumed, very plain moisturizer 
cream or emollient is very important, especially after showers, after bathing, and just on a daily routine, twice a day using a moisturizer and where the areas that we were talking about is important and is a very good preventative measure. It keeps the skin hydrated, doesn't allow it to dry out, doesn't allow it to become irritated. So now that we talked about eczema and what it is, how it affects the skin, the fact that we don't know what really causes eczema, the factors that may trigger eczema uh, in individuals, that some individuals will have one, a very few cases uh, in their lifetime, and others, unfortunately, uh, will be treating it and managing it throughout their life, that it can affect infants all the way up to adults, and that the areas that it does affect can be a slightly different as one grows older. So let's talk about the treatments and how we can treat uh, eczema with over-the-counter product. Well, the first issue that we talked about, or concern we have, is itching. And therefore, the reaction to that is scratching. And as uh, stated before, this can further inflame and create cascading effect, a domino effect of making it worse. So one of the areas, uh, one of the medications over the counter that you can use are antihistamines, antihistamine creams that can reduce the inflammation around the area. Antihistamines do have that ability. Histamine itself is a precursor of inflammatory response and uh, is part of that response. And therefore, using an antihistamine cream around the area can be done. If you really want to go further, if it's that bad, you can even go do oral antihistamines, such as Benadryl, Diphenhydramine, um, and some of the other over-the-counter products. However, you have to be concerned and worry about the fact that using those products, they do have side effects. Uh, one of them is, of course, being becoming tired. Um, there are other side effects to it that you have to concern yourself with. For example, if you uh, have glaucoma, using an antihistamine would not be recommended. If you have uh, urinary retention, an antihistamine would not be recommended. But um, this is something that you would want to ask your pharmacist to recommend an antihistamine for itching. Moisturizers. Using moisturizers that are scent-free, fragrant-free, that are uh, do not have... Uh, any type of uh, a large formulation of ingredients to it that could potentially be triggers for your uh, eczema. Using them on a regular basis, daily, twice a day, especially after baths or showers, you want to just simply lightly towel dry so that you still have moisture on your skin. Using the moisturizer that traps that moisture to your skin and keeps your skin hydrated. That's important. Again, this is another area that your pharmacist can help you choose and pick those, those appropriate moisturizers without any type of fragrance or a multitude of uh, other ingredients. You can use over-the-counter steroid creams. Now, understand that over-the-counter steroid creams are very, very low potency. So you're not going to get the type of reaction or effect if you use a prescription over-the-counter 
uh, excuse me, if you use a prescription steroid cream. But you can use over-the-counter steroid creams for mild cases of eczema and uh, apply them directly to that area. And hopefully it will reduce the amount of inflammation and reduce the overactivity or overreactivity of those inflammatory cells. Now for prescription medications, we then go back to the prescription steroids, which are a high much which are of higher potency. Uh, they're very effective in reducing the inflammatory the inflammation cells, that response that they have. You do have to be somewhat careful with them. When you use um, steroid creams, a couple of important points. First, wear gloves. Okay, and you want to wear plastic gloves or latex gloves or some type of glove that protects your fingers from the actual cream because you don't want to absorb the cream through your fingertips or on your skin of your hands. Secondly, using it sparingly. Whatever the directions on the prescription state, follow it, but use the cream sparingly. But cover the area of the, um, the rash. Third, don't overuse it because even though you may want to, it may be tempting, it's doing a great job. I'm going to use it instead of twice a day. I'll use it three or four times a day, especially on areas of the body where the skin is very thin because the use of steroid can cause skin thinning. So you want to be careful using it on your face, around your eyes, around areas where the skin is already very thin. Advisable not to use it too many times or use it accordingly to the directions, but not to overuse it and not to use a large amount of it. Sparingly, follow the directions, use gloves. Now for side effects for steroid creams are very few, unless you're sensitive to a specific ingredient in the cream or the steroid itself. It really, it's a localized effect, so it's not going to um, create a very systemic activity or should not. There are three other types of topical treatments that are used to treat eczema. One is called JAK inhibitors, another is calcineurin inhibitors, and the other is PDE4 inhibitors. Basically, they work by shedding off or interrupting the inflammatory cells, causing the inflammation in the area, that hyperinflammatory process. The side effects of these Again, they're local, they're creams, they're a local effect. Unless you have a prior history of sensitivity to them or allergic reaction to them, they should not pose any kind of a problem. So the side effect profile of this is very minimal. What I'd like to do now is talk about some of the alternative medicine um, avenues that you can take uh, for treatment. Now, I make sure when I talk about these things, uh, these types of alternative medicines, I don't I don't advocate them, and, and I don't dissuade people from investigating them, uh, as well as talking to your primary care provider about them. Uh, I certainly think that uh, there needs to be some discussion on it because it is out there, and I'd like to just give it to you and let you know uh, what they are. We had mentioned that there was a behavioral component to eczema. So... One of the areas uh, for alternative medicine is hypnosis, uh, being able to control that behavioral component uh, when it arises and hopefully will reduce the triggering of eczema. Acupuncture, which has 
we've all been, I think everybody is familiar in this country with acupuncture, uh, has proven very effective in many, many different areas. Uh, it's being promoted here to help reduce the itch of, of, the, of the rash. Again, something that you may want to look at and uh, discuss with uh, your primary care provider. Traditional Chinese herbs. This is one that I do have some reservations about because, quite frankly, you don't know what's in these herbs. You don't know if there's going to be a uh, physiological reaction to the herbs. You don't know if there's going to be a drug interaction with the herbs uh, if you're already on medications. Uh, and you don't know the purity, the strength, uh, how they're made. You go to one, pharma one pharmacy, it's made one way. You go to another pharmacy, it's made another way. So you're not getting a, a standardization of the medication. This is one I do personally feel uh, a bit hesitant about going in and trying. You have different oils, natural therapies, such as coconut oil, which as a moisturizer has some antibacterial properties. Many lotions uh, and uh, many lotions and creams contain coconut oil. Sunseed oil applied directly appears to have some effect, favorable effects on itchy skin, as well as reducing the rash. So that's sunflower seed oil. The evidence from what I've seen, barrage oil and evening primrose oil really have no effect. Diets, again, there is no real study that has shown gluten-free, lactose-free, a low allergen, no sugar, no dyes, alkaline foods, dairy-free. It seems that there is no study that really shows that diets have a real effect on egg, treatment of eczema or prevention of eczema. There's been no real conclusive evidence showing which one is better than the other. We hear a lot now of probiotics. In certain situations, they found probiotics does uh, prevent uh, eczema, in pregnant women, but it does have limited effects outside of that. Topical vitamin B12. Vitamin B12, the scientific name is called cyanocobalium. This is actually shown to have some actual effects, some very helpful effects in the treatment of eczema. The problem is there is no commercial product that contains a solid form of vitamin B12. It's only injectable. What you may have to do if you want to go down this route is find a compounding pharmacy and utilize their services where they can obtain a powdered solid dosage form of vitamin B12. So I hope this episode has helped those who have questions about eczema, either patients who have eczema or individuals who know somebody who has eczema. And I look forward to speaking with you next time. We'll actually be going over in the next episode of psoriasis, which is a cousin of eczema. So until next time, take care, be healthy, and follow the directions on your medications. This has been the Pharmacist is In podcast hosted by Howard Unger. If you like what you heard, please click on the subscribe button. And if you feel so, leave comments in the star rating below. It really helps the podcast in gaining greater exposure to larger audiences. And why not? This is important information. I would like to mention I have no affiliation with any pharmaceutical company or medical institution. 
nor do I represent any product, product line, or corporate pharmacy entities. Please remember that this podcast is not a substitute for your healthcare provider. If you should have any questions concerning diagnosis or treatment, contact your trusted healthcare provider. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll join me next week for the Pharmacist is In podcast. Remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay medication smart.